Hi, I'm Jennifer Mulholland. And I'm Jeff Shuck. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. Each episode, we talk with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. This is Jeff Shuck, and with me is Jennifer Mulholland. And as you know, we're the co-leaders of Plenty. And on today's episode, we wanted to just kind of take stock of where we are. It's summer 2020 as we're recording this. Jen, I'm reminded that I think it was in March that we wrote a blog post and said, coronavirus isn't a short-term hustle. And how right we were. I think we wanted to just kind of talk about what's present today. A lot has changed, that's for sure. And so grateful that it's Friday. I think that's what's present for me is at the moment, feeling a little giddy about a decision we made long ago before COVID hit to implement something called Free Fridays, where we shut down the offices at Plenty at 1230, whatever time zone you're in, to spend the week, the afternoon taking care of yourself and focusing on your own well-being. And I'm just so giddy and grateful and in awe of what that's done for us in terms of opening up space. And we also made a commitment, Jeff and I, that we would do our best not to take client meetings on Fridays so that we could record podcasts, we could co-write, we can get to the client work that we need to do. So we're not scrambling on Monday. And I just feel that in my body of how much freer um, and less constrained and less overwhelmed we both are going into a weekend with a lot more space. I'm not sure what day it is that you're listening to this, but I love that you started there, Jen, because one of the things I think the takeaway, I think we're in a year or two of Free Fridays. And I think one thing that I'm always struck by when we talk to people about it is it seemed so hard to do when we first thought of it. I think we spent a couple months talking ourselves into the idea that it couldn't work and there was no way we'd be able to do it. And then one day we just stopped taking meetings on Fridays and just said that we would do it. And I think it took a week to rearrange some things on our calendar. And it took only a couple of weeks for it to become a habit. And now it's just the best way of giving ourselves some space to be creative. And maybe let's talk about like why we did that in the first place. Because I remember leading up to that decision, what had happened on several weeks back to back and, and months was a ton of travel Monday through Thursday. So we would be flying all over the country, facilitating in-person workshops, and it would take a day to get there, a day to come home, and we were on morning to night with client entertainment, with facilitation, with preparation, and coming home totally exhausted, like flattened from the physical requirements of that sprint. And then we would have this stacked up back to back meeting to meeting to meeting on Friday. And I remember feeling in my body so antsy 
and agitated and overwhelmed and as if I like I couldn't sit still because it was just too much and I think it's such a great reminder of listening to our body's cues of our body knows what we need and the difference between today and two years ago or a year ago and that feeling of that not being in the pressure cooker and quite honestly it was self-inflicted pressure like we had created those parameters we said yes to that lifestyle and that way we were working that this is equally a choice we had and we couldn't see it until we did there's a way of looping this back to to kind of what's happening in the world right now i think like when things are so busy and crowded it seems impossible to create space and so you can't wait for things to get less busy and crowded to create space you have to do it the opposite way you have to just create a boundary and then ironically things get less busy and i think there's for a couple years we were waiting for things to calm down and then we would get rest and it just doesn't work that way you have to get rest and then things calm down and i i'm struck at four or depending on where you live i guess six or seven months into coronavirus it, there's a new there's something new that's emerging and or a new relationship to what's already been there i'm i'm not sure if that's making sense but jen and i were talking right before we started recording about the Major League Baseball season finally opened yesterday in Washington, D.C., and how surreal it was, and yet how nice it was to see some, some return to normalcy. That game was kind of an experiment. I'm not sure what, how things are going to change going forward, but going back to kind of, I think, what you were talking about before, the shift from an outside in to an inside out approach. And for a long time, we have been practicing an inside out approach to how we do strategy, to how we view leadership development, to how we weave well-being into culture and how we are growing ourselves personally. I think the trap to the example you just gave, Jeff, is we were on the hamster wheel ourselves, not knowing that we were really managing and governing ourselves and our team from an outside in, like waiting till we have space in the schedule to be able to make changes or waiting till we have a break in client work so that we can take care of ourselves. And that never really came. And we could see like the pace the responsive to the outside pressures, the outside schedule governing how we were responding would never change unless we changed it from the inside out. And that's really the practice right now is kind of learning and listening to what we need inside for ourselves, what we need for our families. As an example, the whole do we send our kids back to school? Do we not? Do we do virtual learning? What do we do this fall? It is such a personal, individual decision. The answer's got to come from the inside rather than responding to the outside. Because I think one of the core things that's changed with COVID is 
the outside circumstances, the outside information, the outside governance and structure is just changing every day. It's like there's a, a news flash and a news story that contradicts the day before or the stock market or there's just the, the ups and downs, the rises and falls, the, the contradiction of information that's happening out there. If we govern our lives by responding to that, we'll make ourselves freaking crazy because there's no stability there. Well, and I think one of the things that I've noticed in the dialogue and people around us and people that we're working with is my perception is many people are more shaken in kind of late June and July about the rise in cases than even they were in April and May. And the reason that kind of reading between the lines, I think one thing that's happened for some people is they had expectations that they didn't know about. And Jen and I talk with our clients a lot about this idea about sometimes you don't know you have an expectation until it's not met and you find out that you're disappointed or you're let down or you're frustrated. And I think everyone had kind of gotten the message of, okay, slow down, stay inside, wear a mask, take care of everyone else. And then maybe without knowing they had the expectation, had the expectation that, and now it's all going to go away and be a lot better. And actually what has been shown to us is, no, there's a lot of need still for care and slowing down and being patient and being willing to let go. And saying that you'll let go and actually letting go are two different things. And I feel like I see that in the frustration of some people I'm talking to about like, how can this still be going on? Well, how long did you think it was going to go on? And how long do we still think it's going to go on? And maybe it just is what it is. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think one of the things that we are continually trying to practice ourselves is loosening the grip, opening to it changing, opening it to be fluid, opening to a combination of the and, meaning it's not this way or that way. The virus isn't going away or ceasing to come back. The economy doesn't need to open or the virus, the juxtaposition of the either ors, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's either the economy or health. It's either safety or finances. Like we're in this just paradox of this paradigm shift. And what we're seeing is it ha- it's coming together in the end. How can we keep people safe and help the economy at the same time? And is there a solution in that gray area? When we're gripping, when we think it has to be a certain way, when we have an expectation and then we realize, oh shit, I am totally disappointed because that expectation was founded on a false assumption that I made. Nobody else made that, but I made a story up and I followed that rabbit hole of that story and then gathered evidence for why that story was right. And then all of a sudden, I'm shown it either wasn't right or it wasn't met at the same agreement of an assumption that I was making. Like all that stuff 
is kind of woven into our grip. Where are we focusing our attention? What are we anchoring a truth to be true? And then when we do that, we kind of get stuck and disappointed about what's happening. So the practice like being open to the and, being open to it changing, being open to you know, how much things are shifting is really been an interesting experience for a lot of people, including ourselves. Yeah. And I think this point, so I, I like where you just went with it, because I think this point has come up again and again in our work and our conversations. And I think sometimes it's hard for people to get their head around because they hear us saying like, let go of control, loosen your grip, and then immediately equate that to like, frolicking around the field and throwing up our hands and saying, I don't have a role to play. And it's actually not that. I think what we're saying is there's a need to say, like, you don't get to control what's happening in the world around you. You don't get to control what the laws are. You don't get to control how other people are reacting to those laws. You don't get to control the virus that's creating those laws and those reactions you can only control your part of it. And often we want to exert control over the things that aren't in our sphere of influence at all, but kind of abdicate the own actions that we can take. So the, the analogy that comes to me as you're talking, Jen, is I remember a couple decades ago being in Mexico and incredible scenery and going swimming near a reef. And the water got a little bit tumultuous and everyone's reaction that was swimming was to like hold on to the reef because the waves were coming and it was getting rougher. Well, as soon as you hold on to the reef, all that's going to happen is the waves are going to push you against the rock over and over and you're going to get all cut up. And actually what's counterintuitive is you need to swim. So you need to take some action on your part, but it's much safer to be out in the open water and ride with the waves and let it carry you a little bit. And I think that's, that's what we're trying to say here is like, there's a really strong current on the river. It doesn't mean you don't have to swim, but you can't swim against it. So you're often better off like picking up your feet, letting yourself ride with it. And that, that's what I think, at least for me, is emerging in the summer as a whole new wave of social distancing restrictions is coming and Masks are coming back. Indiana, where I live, has just issued a, a mandatory order for masks pretty much everywhere starting on Monday. And you can argue like that's actually not a new thing. That's probably what we should have been doing since March. But I see that it's frustrating for some people who, who kind of wanted it to be over. So the question now is, what have we all learned from the last four months of unexpected occurrences that can make the next four months for us at least a little easier to navigate. And I think that's where we're trying to point and what we're trying to explore. I love the analogy that you just shared because it brings up why we're here in the first place. Like what is our purpose? And one of my beliefs is we are here to co-create with our divine selves that larger current, when we look back in hindsight, if we were to let go of the reef and go where the current takes us, typically you look back in hindsight and say, wow, I never would have made that choice on my own. 
But as a result of that experience or going through that loss or divorce or health issue or work challenge, it led me to here. And I can see the majesty and the perfection of the current that was bigger than myself. And I was along for the ride, but I was also part of swimming with it. And I think that is a choice we all have of, are we going against the current or are we riding the wave and are we enjoying the ride? Because when we go to that core of who we are and who we are meant to be, why we are here, we are divine beings. We are more than our bodies. Like our soul wants to ride that current and do it in a way that is enjoying the journey. And I think we're, we're going through this wave of suffering and then this wave of elation where some people, a lot of people I'm talking to are, are so grateful for COVID because they never would have been given the opportunity to be at home, to hunker down with their family, to be slower than if something like this on a global stage had happened. So I'm curious, maybe we follow that thread for just a couple more moments, Jeff. And and as you talk about control and you think about in your own personal life, where you're practicing going either with the current or noticing where you were tending to control whatever the topic was, where you're loosening your own grip. Do you have anything that comes to mind that you could share? Well, I mean, a a few thoughts. I think like every day seems to be a reminder about just choosing the attitude we want is the first thing that occurs to me. So to go back to the opener of the baseball season or the, or the re opener, there's one point of view that's like, Oh, it's really sad. Wow. There's no one in the stadium. Players are wearing masks. There's no noise. And there's another point of view that looks like, you know, the Washington post wrote a story this morning about a miracle that had even happened. And I find myself more and more being conscious of choosing what worldview I'm looking at. So because I, I think I would choose that worldview now much more deliberately that, wow, it's cool that they're trying to do something and it's not the same, but the world isn't the same. So why should baseball be the same? But it's nice that there's some baseball. I think a much more personal decision is just around schooling. You brought it up earlier. We wrote a blog post about it last week together. My kids have had the great fortune of going to some really excellent private schools. And this year, as we got ready for the fall, while we still support those schools, as the schools start to navigate what they're doing, and it was clear that they can't really navigate it to this point because things keep changing. It just felt like it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to have our kids all over the county. It doesn't make sense to be paying a lot of money for instruction that might be online. It doesn't make sense to push what we always did in a time that's different. So we just made a choice to send our children to a virtual public school that's that's offered in Indiana. And it's really been neat to not sound hokey, but it's been neat to see how everyone's reacted in our family. One of our, my daughter was really disappointed and sad for a day or two. And I think a couple of my kids were wondering what they'll do socially. 
but everyone's also into kind of the new adventure. I would also, I'll, I'll wrap up. I think I'm maybe going a bit longer than you intended, but the other thing that I think that it brings up to me since I made that point about school and social, Jen, we've talked about this a few times over the last podcast episodes, but it's easier for me to see than it was before all this started, how sometimes we, we equate things that maybe shouldn't be equated. When did we decide that school was going to be the main way that our children socialize with others? I'm not sure that that makes a lot of sense. And it doesn't make sense this year when everyone's going to be sitting in masks or sitting at home. There's other ways that kids can find that. So how can I as a parent engage in that interaction more? How can I work with other parents to provide a social structure that kind of I was just hoping school would provide on its own? And now I see like, well, why was I ever expecting school to do that? And school isn't really set up to do that well, honestly. So I'll stop there, but I'd ask you the same question. Like where generally and specifically are you finding that you're doing that exploration? Yeah, well, I guess two thoughts come to mind. One is in response to your your example of schooling. I'll start with kind of what leads up to influencing our decision about going back to school and the practice of control, releasing control, and choosing an attitude of faith and healing is really present for me right now. Ironically, and some of you may have listened to our interview with Barb Patterson, I kind of shared this story, but ironically, I was, and maybe, uh, divinely orchestrated, I should say, I was given the privilege to help my grandmother pass on and was present when she took her last breath and spoke her last word. And that word was attitude. And it was something so in her legacy and lineage around upbringing of of really coding me to be an optimist and choosing positivity And that point of we all have choice points of whether we're going to go down the rabbit hole of despair and fear and worry and believing in our anxious thoughts, or we cannot give those so much credit and not buy those as frequently as we have been modeled to and choose a more positive outlook. And I found myself really in that choice point when my son, Riley, who's about to turn 16, incredible athlete, football, lacrosse, skiing, was screwing around with some friends at a park in mid-May during COVID. And when kind of it became more acceptable to socialize and he got really hurt in wrestling and blew out the whole lateral side of his knee, posterior side of his knee, and had to have surgery. One of the consequences of this injury is he hurt his peroneal nerve, which controls his ability to flex his foot and walk. And that just has stirred up my own parental mothering care for my son and his potential as an athlete, his potential and dream to play two sports in college, which he wants to, his potential to walk and run again. 
And all of that got stirred up in my identity with him as being an athlete and honestly seeing like, oh shit, I put so much identity that this is who he is. And he's not that it's one aspect of who he is using the attitude of he will completely recover. His nerve will wake up. We put our faith in seeing and visualizing him returning to sports and releasing my control and need of the timeline, like the patience that has come with just having to take the next week, the next day uh, in support has really released my control of a determinate path of a trajectory of where I thought he was going to be going into his sophomore year. So just to kind of summarize how that influences our school decision is right now, you know, our kid, my kids are six years apart. Hadley's going into fifth grade and Riley's going into his sophomore year. And Riley's really concerned about not only getting around at school easily because of his leg and foot, but also infecting, possibly catching COVID and then infecting his grandparents that live here and we're very close. And so he's mentally going through issues that my daughter Hadley is not. She needs physical instruction. So we're really on the fence of, do we send both of them back? I don't see how we can do distance learning for Hadley. Not only do I not think it's probably the best for her, but we both, we have two working parents at home as you and Jeannie are. And it's just, it's a more challenging situation with her being 10. So I think the practice of, I guess, would just say control. I really thought I would had would have had a more convicted, clear answer about going back to school. And right now, man, <laughs> it's practicing what we teach at Lantern is like, we only can see what's right in front of us. So what is the information I need now? And how do I choose an attitude of gratitude? How do I choose an attitude of healing, an attitude of hopefulness, an attitude of faith, that things are working out the way they are meant to? And I get to co-create that path, hopefully loosening the grip along the way. I love that. And that takes us maybe to the last point we wanted to bring up for everyone before we end this Friday Ramblecast which is one of the things that we're trying to communicate here is there's an art and a real freedom that comes from being able to hold two spaces. And one space is to see what is right now, to see it as it is, to not editorialize it, to not comment on it, to not make it worse or better than it is, but just to actually see it in an unfiltered way okay, wow, there's more COVID cases than ever. Deaths seem to be increasing. Restrictions are coming back. Like there doesn't have to be a positive or negative on that, but just like this is what is. But also hold this second space of something's better is possible. And in fact, something's possible that's even better than I can imagine. And what might that be? And we, we use the word possibility in our work more than vision because we want our clients to imagine something beyond what they can actually see. And so I think what we're trying to say is getting stuck in either of those places 
can cause some pain, right? If we get too stuck in our commentary about what is now, it can cause a lot of hurt and frustration. If we get too lost in what could be, we lose the chance to be here now. And so what we're trying to practice and help our clients practice is these two ideas of what's what's real right now, what is, and that doesn't take away from us imagining something that could be better. Yeah, so whether you're listening to this on a weekend or your week is coming up, I think one of the practices to to do what you're talking about, Jeff, like the one of the helpful tool to practice seeing what is, is to, to do so with detachment. So oftentimes we trap ourselves in becoming the content. We become the story because we think it is happening to us or it is us. And if you just take a moment for two seconds to just bring your awareness onto your breath and just notice that you're actually not controlling this incredible life-giving activity, your inhale and your exhale. And when you do that and you're noticing, who is noticing? That's your awareness. You're not the one breathing. Your breathing happens, but you're noticing it and you can notice it with a little bit of more space. And I think that's what, Jeff, you're inviting people to do is how do we see the drama, the content of our lives, the information coming at us in existing current state with awareness, so with detachment, so that we can open to different perspectives and different pathways and then orient our focus in a more positive manner. That's the choice point. There's a space at which we detach from seeing what is. We become the observer with a neutral eye. In the sense, we're not like putting any spin on it. We're not saying it's good or bad. We're just noticing the qualities of what is. And then... When we do that, we can then orient ourselves to say, what's beautiful about this? What could be opening up? What's the blessing? Where do I want to focus my attention? So I think one of our our hopes is that you'll join us in the practice of choosing a more positive outlook of how we want the economy to come back, how we want people to be safe and healed and in the process of healing with COVID, how we want to find a vaccine or a solution for the virus itself, how we want to work more harmoniously together in an inclusive, diverse, equitable way. That's within our power to choose. And when we what we focus on forms. So what we focus on comes about the more collective consciousness, the more collective effort we can do in choosing a more positive outlook, we can experience a much more hopeful way of being for ourselves and for the planet. Yeah. And to bring it kind of all the way full circle to what we started with, that being aware of where you might be setting yourself up to be frustrated or disappointed later. You know, when you hear yourself saying, Things like when the restaurants open up again, 
then I'll be happy when the kids get to go back to school or as soon as I can get on a plane, I'll feel better. Like you're giving your own self-satisfaction and, and happiness away to something else. And maybe just explore how you can bring that back. Like we're, we're not saying you need to have your head in the sand and we're not saying you have to have your head in the clouds. Just be in your, in your thoughts now. And it's not always easy to do, but that's what's present for me is we, we end the week and we are on month four or five of this here in the U.S. is the more I can be right here, the more it's easier for me to be in a place of gratitude. And the more I'm in a place of gratitude, like you said, Jen, the more I have space to see so many things and to act in a way that feels so much more constructive. Yeah, I love that reminder that someday, one day, whenever you hear yourself saying that, you're postponing your happiness. And we all have the right to be happy. And part of that practice is enjoying each step, like enjoying the journey. I found myself real quick as an example, sharing this with Riley, who's now fixated on getting his desk set up so he can get ready for school and gaming and all that stuff. And I've had to totally surrender my whole battle with Fortnite through this whole summer process, which has been a whole nother growth path. Yeah, that's a Fortnite's a whole nother podcast. Oh my God, seriously. But anyway, so he's fixated on getting his desk set up. And I I found myself saying, hey, honey, you know, like enjoy the process building it because you're going to miss it. Because then as soon as you get your desk built, you're going to want something else. And it's never going to be satiating enough unless you are enjoying all the ideas that are coming to you to get your conip set up fixed. And it was a really helpful conversation and honestly a great reminder to me. We only share what we need to remember ourselves. And it's really easy to want to goal set and to want to achieve and want to have other things and accomplish and get to someplace else other than where we are. And while intentions and goal settings are great, we tend to create suffering along the way because we somehow miss those steps of enjoying the process. It's never as satiating as we once thought. The journey is the satiating part. So we hope that you can practice that and reminding yourselves of your deservedness of being happy and making the choice point to be here now and seeing what is making that choice point along the way. All right. I think that's a wrap. I think that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to our ramble this Friday morning, wherever you find, (laughs) wherever you're tuning in from. Take care, everybody. Be safe out there. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more at www.plentyconsulting.com.